Radio Primavera Sound, powered by SEAT. Welcome to the Weekly Review, the show where two dads and a gifted young person known by a Selena fan as The Woman take a look at what's been happening in pop culture with the hopes of making sense of a world in disarray. Today, we may talk about the emancipation of Billie, who has made headlines for her Vogue UK cover shoot. Our album of the week is Girl in Red's debut album, If I Could Make It Go Quiet. And get ready to hear my brand new section, Stuff I've Watched While on Paternity Leave. So many hours watching over a newborn child in a city with a late night curfew has allowed me to do what I love best. Sit on the sofa and binge like Jabba the Hutt with too many subscriptions. I even started speaking like the giant larva toad from Tatooine. That means I want something sweet, but I also want a proper meal with vitamins and minerals like zinc. Let's crack on. Behind the boards, we have our own man here, Rob Roman. Hit it! Whoa, what a banger! That was half of Daft Punk indebted dance duo Justice, Gaspard Auger, with Force Majeure, the first single off his upcoming debut solo album, which shall bear the title Escapades. Epic start to the day. We look forward to hearing the entirety of that album once it reaches the virtual cells, uh, shelves. I'm joined by my trusty squire, Ben Cardew the Third. Hey, how are you doing? Man- good to have you back. <laughs> it feels good to be back here in the seat. Thank wow. you for taking care of this ship, making, letting it not only not sink, but actually raise in ratings. Marvai Verdu, the Hi. star was born. <laughs> well, I feel like Lady Gaga now. <laughs> Ready to collect Grammys once you release your debut album, if you ever decide to. Have you ever thought coming of making... soon? Imagine <laughs> my next step becoming Lady Gaga for real. And uh, someone who has dropped an album, which uh, finally arrived, uh, which was very much awaited, is uh, comes from a young artist who has been generating the kind of buzz bees make when they are collecting pollen with their yellow and brown stripes behind. She is Marie Ulven, better known as. Girl in Red. I'm running low on serotonin. Chemical imbalance got me twisting things. Stabilized with medicine. There's no death. She's been called Norway's bedroom pop answer to Avril Lavigne. She's obviously a Taylor Swift fan. The way she sings and phrases sentences are almost mimicked in some of her songs. Her earlier singles and EPs indicated the type of uh, classic bedroom indie sound we're fond of at this station. But if I could make it go quiet, leans so heavily into radio-friendly pop, many are comparing her to the Canadian pop-punk star, which bemoaned why it had to be so complicated, which is not a bad thing. Um, ben, Mar, what did you think? I'm Ben, you start. <laughs> All right, you don't because you want to you want to portray me as the bad person, <laughs> <Yes>. don't you? <laughs> then I want to yeah, come you, after. You, you both do. Look, All right, okay. I really let me say this. I really wanted to like this. I think Girl in Red is a very good person. I like what she stands for. I like her emotional honesty. Um, I like her singing about her experiences. I like what she means to people. I like all of that. 
but I just could not get on on board with this. I'm really sorry. It just sounded like I mean, basically, it was summed up by like we were talking about this. I said it sounds like Avril Lavigne. Uh, I meant that as a bad thing. You took it as a good thing, and that was it. I mean, like it's just so. I, I mean, I. <laughs> People will really get into it. The songwriting is solid, but the the sound I just found really uninspiring. You know, can we not like aspire to something a bit more interesting in this in, in 2021? Obviously, she had Phineas um, on board, and I'm afraid that just made me think of Billie Eilish. And like, I absolutely love Billie Eilish, and Billie Eilish's production is so different. You know, does such incredibly new things. I thought she was brilliant when she came out. And this doesn't. It's kind of pop punk. And i got to say, like, you know, I listened to a few songs. I was like, oh, this, this is all right. Not too bad. But it got to about song 10. I was like, oh, God, can I go and, can I go and do something else? And it's the album's only 33 minutes long. And that's, that's, that's not good. But, like, you know, I really, I really wanted to like it. Please believe me. But I didn't. That's that's very bad. <laughs> <laughs> Mara didn't like your rant. No, because you got to my head, and I and I was first listening to it, and I was and I could hear my inner band saying, "This is bad." The first song, you don't like it, and you want to, but you don't because band's correct. All right, it's a bad album. All right, Ma. Right, I'm gonna ask this question only once. I want an honest answer. Who's better, Girl in Red or Arab Strap? Um, girl in red. <laughs> you don't. What think a compar- What a what a choice. Well, no, because we're saying this because I one week we talked about the Arab Strap album, and yeah. I was absolutely convinced Mar was going to hate it. Um, and I didn't. No, and you liked it. Yeah. In fact, you prefer it to Girl in Red. Yeah, because I have I have to stand by her now. Okay. But I, when I first um, started listening, I I have to say I don't really it's not my favorite song the first one to start off like serotonin the one that's the one produced yeah. by Phineas <laughs> exactly and I was surprised this is the one produced by by Phineas who does all the Billie Eilish songs who are that are like breaking all these records but it wasn't my favorite and it's I think because of the lyrics it kind of is like this diary entry thing or personal diary that you get into her head and it's this whole angsty teen thing but to the maximum like it's it's very in your face the yeah. the whole lyric like oh i i'm so sad and i feel like crushing myself into a bus or something like this and and i didn't like it at first but then as the album went by i kind of felt like she was doing it on purpose like she was making you feel kind of awkward with the lyrics because they are so in your face. The one that she, when she talks, that she's so horny because she's on tour on tour and she cannot see her girlfriend or whoever. And and it's like, I'm kind of awkward about it, but I feel like it's, it's that was your point to make me kind of feel like I was invading your intimacy or whatever. And I then liked it. I was like, okay, I see what she's trying to do. Or if she's not trying to do this, I like it either way. And the last few songs were like much better than the first one. I see, I, th- I thought the lyrics were quite interesting because like in, in Serotonin, the, to- the the first song, she the, the verse says, I get intrusive thoughts, like cutting my hands off, like jumping hmm. in front of the bus, like how do I make this stop? And those are the kind of lyrics that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. And I think that's part of the reason why um, she's so successful and it's just very straightforward it's not particularly poetic i mean there are mm-hmm. kind of like funny funny lyrics later on and quite more poetic things but i think um you can kind of see why that appeals right you know yep. it's just like this is exactly how i'm feeling i'm going to tell you now mm-hmm. and um you can potentially relate to it 
Yeah, that, uh, that's exactly what she said in an interview that I read while while I was um, like looking up stuff. And she said that um, the thing about her music it's like very non-pretentious um, style and very low-key, and and that's what I like because it, you can really tell she's like just uh, doing whatever she wants without really thinking. Or is this deep enough? Is this I don't know pretentious enough? Does this sound? I don't know. I, I, I do quite like pretentiousness in music, though, at the same uh, time. Yeah, we know. Oi, oi, oi. Johan, protect I mean, me, come on. It, it is, it, I don't think it's pretentious. I think it's a natural kind of brave thing to do. Like, look, I'm gonna, I've, I've had my phase of being bedroomy and, yeah. and sounding lo-fi and very indie, which is my favorite part of mm -hmm. Girl in Red. But all of a sudden she's like, no, 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 I've, I've got a stab at the big leagues. But I don't. I don't necessarily always like it when artists um, decide to go the the path that has been treaded so many times. It, it at times it sounds like early Charlie XCX, but at the same time it's music that she's probably enjoyed listening to when she was growing up. So, but I don't think she's brought much new to the table when she goes mm -hmm. super pop. I like the full stop song or dot. I don't know how it's pronounced. There's one that's just mm -hmm. like a full stop uh, on the track list. That's probably my favorite because it it's kind of sounds like the original Girl in Red that I that I that I'm interested in. But for instance, you stupid bitch, it could perfectly be an Avril Lavigne song. Uh, it's got that kind of early 2000s sound and the title and everything you stupid bitch and the lyrics you know it's 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 like it's it's that kind of soft provocateur kind of thing that will that in 10 20 years ago it would have been like uh, Katy Perry's I kissed a girl oh mm -hmm. oh the, a title I kissed a girl a girl singing about kissing a girl oh you know people like getting up in arms and talking about it and making the song have a lot of uh, radio play because of this little controversy um, can I share my note yeah. to uh, you stupid bitch because yeah. I wrote a note <laughs> <laughs> go ahead it says the most basic chord sequence and then I apparently gave up on it. <laughs> <laughs> but there is an art in in making a basic chord sequence and keeping things simple, I guess. Uh, I'll Call You Mine sounds a lot like Empire of the Sun, which I imagine she must have enjoyed when it was super big at the time. Um, I don't know, the, the album just reminds me of a lot of the, the moments in that kind of pop that have been happening over the last 20 years. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's it's... It it's a it has a quality, the fair enough. But when I listen to the the early singles and, and demos that are up on streaming services and on SoundCloud, I really think that there's something more special happening there. I don't know, but that's just me. Yeah. I gotta say, I really like the line. I'm just a horny little lovesick mess. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good line that in a song called "Horny Lovesick Mess," which which is brilliant. She's got a great turn of phrase. Like um, in Apartment 402, she talks about when the sunlight hits the dust which is a very uh, a nice way of looking at it. I think she's talking about depression, how she kind of felt, and that, that that's a lovely line. But yeah, I couldn't I couldn't find that much, yeah, I'm afraid. Also, there's something a little bit annoying about when mm, Europe, well, Nordics or Nordic people or Europeans <laughs> try and sound American. And here, especially on the first track, she's she's really going into like that that kind of American internet speak. Uh, trying to sound like a Jenner or something or a Kardashian. I don't know. Uh, sometimes I love it when you hear a little bit of that 
Norwegian accent like you can on or, or, or Swedish, you know, like Robin. Robin still has a little bit of a Swedish pronunciation in her English when she sings. Hang on, hang on. Did you do a little bit of a Swedish accent? I can't tell you. I love doing the Swedish accent. It's fucking amazing when they talk like this. And uh, But they speak really good and eloquent, but uh, there's always a T. And <laughs> Okay. Well, a while ago, uh, the whole girl in red thing, we, we talked about this on the show. It was uh, also, uh, if, you, if you ask someone, uh, do you listen to girl in red, was kind of like a code for identifying as a lesbian, right? Is that still a thing, Mark? It is. I, it is a still a thing. I, well, I feel like it is uh, because it's so spread on now. You could go to anyone, even people who are not on TikTok and, and they would know. But I've seen that she made a like girl in red made a, a tweet like kind of complaining because it has become so popular not against it she she likes that it, it has become like a part of um, popular speech but um she doesn't like because some people don't get that listening to girl in red doesn't make you gay it just means that uh, it, this phrase was used because of her song um I, I don't remember. Um, we fell in love in October, and well, everything about her because it it really makes sense to use it as a code. But it doesn't mean that at the moment you put a song by Girl in Red, you suddenly change sexual um, <laughs> orientations. Like it doesn't mean that. And she made a tweet that said like when people came up to her and said, even though I'm not gay, I like this song a lot. And she said, bitch, thanks. That's like saying no homo. And to be honest, it's so annoying because it's like you feel the need to distance yourself from the music in fear of being associated with something remotely queer as that would be a bad thing. Whoops, the tea. And but she has a point. Like I, I can really imagine people confusing these terms and, and, and being all like, no homo, but... And it's like... not. <laughs> I read an interview with her in The Guardian um, recently in which she was talking about this and she talked about how um, do you listen to Girl in Red has become become a phrase that's been used in countries like Brazil, Poland and Russia which are not exactly renowned for gay rights and that is the kind of thing I think is really very cool indeed and that is why I wanted to wanted to like this album I really did I wanted to proclaim myself a fan Mm -hmm. but I I can't sorry Can we listen to a bit of you stupid bits just so that I can uh, I can bring it round to the Avril Lavigne-ness? Listen out for the basic chord sequence. It's in my notes. <laughs> See, it's this just sounds like it could be on Let Go, and it's it's all it's all. I always find it wonderful when we're preparing this show and we're just sort of casually talking about an album, and then you see a, a news something in the news uh, in the pop culture news that um, that, that caught, catches your eye, and you find links, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, this song reminds me of Avril Lavigne, and I was thinking about her when I saw the Vogue cover of this month with Billie Eilish, right? Boom, and Twitter was on fire and everyone's talking about it. And, um, and it reminded me because of, of Levine because when, when Avril Levine became popular, her teenage image was a welcome novelty since she dressed like so many teenage girls who favor baggy skater trousers do, right? Um, 
Let Go is the best-selling album of the 21st century by a Canadian artist. She is considered a key musician in the development of mainstream pop-punk music since she paved the way for female-driven punk-influenced pop music back in the early 2000s, right? Hang on, more than Drake. She sold more than Drake. More than Apparently, Justin, I was thinking as well. According to, yeah, yeah, but it's because she sold records when records were still being sold. Uh. CDs. Yeah. Um, but under the pressure to reach the commercial success of her first two albums, she eventually evolved from the pop-punk persona and started to embrace a more pop star image and sound, leaving a lot of her fan base perplexed. There was even an online theory that she had died in 2003 what? and been replaced by a clone known as Melissa. The source of the conspiracy theory? A Brazilian fan website. Because if any website could rival the New York Times in thorough veracity, it's a Brazilian fan page. But anyway. <laughs> it, I, I have to say, it's not a theory. I am 100% convinced that that's real. But Because there's even photos of like where her, her spots, beauty yeah. spots and stuff yeah. are. Hmm. Because Melissa was actually her like double because she didn't like fame, so they used Melissa quite of often. And when Avril died and and they had all all this fame that went nowhere, they decided to use Melissa always. Can you imagine if that was actually true that she has a twin, like in that movie, the the, the yeah. Christopher Nolan one about uh, the mag well, I don't want to spoil. <laughs> okay, there's a movie about two mag about magicians. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to spoil... No, no, never mind, never mind. But yeah, imagine that she had a twin what? sister. I was thinking and Lindsay Lohan and uh, the parent trap. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I always think of the Hayley Mills version of 1950-something. Uh, the parent trap, great movie. Um, but yeah, can you imagine? That would be awesome if like pop stars had like a, 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 a hidden twin, you know, that would never... You know, that, that was, it was always the plan, you know, mm. like when you get older, you know, you're going to step into each other's roles. I don't know. Uh, uh, anyway, so all this talk of Avril Lavigne, it's because a similar thing may happen with Billie Eilish, be mainly because Billie has been so vocal in the past about her choice of wearing baggy clothes and uh, speaking up for body positivity and protecting her body from all the scrutiny that public figures, especially female public figures, have to deal with. A lot of fans felt reassured with a global superstar advocating her right to dress how she liked and not playing the part so many female pop stars end up accepting. But hey... It's Vogue. It's a fashion magazine. And being a pop star is about fun and freedom to do what you want and dressing up, adopting personas, feeding people's imagination. I just feel a little bit bad for all those teenagers who never take their shirts off at the beach or by the pool, who felt they had someone cool who won Grammy Awards and all that and on their side, becoming iconic for those baggy clothes. Now, well, she's just another very beautiful person on the cover of a fashion magazine. Nah, she's still on their side. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But you know how bad these ma magazines make people feel because sometimes you can't help raiding the cookie jar and dipping them in peanut butter and what, damn what? these celebrities. What in peanut? What are you talking about? Chocolate chip cookies. You know, oh, it's right. like, oh, okay. You know, the, the <laughs> I'm going all the way into Munchies territory where, you know, when you eat too many chocolate chip cookies bathed in peanut butter, you end up not taking your t shirt off by the swimming pool. Or the beach. Well, no, not necessarily. But uh, I've had a lot of friends who didn't take their t-shirts off in this in in the summer months, and and it's like, oh, you know, I I, I could empathise with them. I, don't I know. didn't take my t-shirt off in the summer months because I lived in Scotland and it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't take my jumper off. 
<laughs> Sorry, I've seen that people swimming with sweaters. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a sad sight. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just it's like come on, don't you know? Love yourself for who you are. Don't be ashamed. But then as soon as it comes off, ah, do the truffle shuffle. Um, Mar, what do you think of this? Um, I think I feel kind of bad for Billy as well. Like I can imagine some people really look up to her because. Um, She's, you can relate to her because she's young and, and I imagine most of her fan base is more or less her age and, and, and she's doing her thing, having her own style but the thing is like she has so much her own style and, and, and people look up so much to her she's like now in a super high standard that she didn't ask to be like now she's scrutinized for every single move she does oh, oh now she's wearing something tighter now she's wearing something bigger now she like this girl is 19 like she has a, a lot of going lots of going things going on in in her own personal life I imagine mm. as a teenager but also as a superstar we don't need to put even more pressure on her like I cannot imagine like waking up and, and thinking the clothes you put on today can break the internet and um, if you step out like when she was caught by a paparazzi in a t-shirt that was not as tight as her mm -hmm. huge um, sweatshirts and um, it was like this whole thing for a weeks on Twitter and I cannot imagine having this much pressure um, I I don't know. I just w wish there's a future in which we don't care as much as for what she's wearing, and and uh, uh, I don't know if it will be possible because once you start doing statement stuff like this, like having huge clothing, people will really put you as this huge role model that people will look up to, and now you have this. I don't know, pressure to do good all the time. And maybe if you're a teenager, you don't know what you want to do with your life, even less other people's life that look up to you, that are, I don't know. I feel bad for her. And at the same time, I don't know how I feel about this cover. It's been barely a year <laughs> that she's of age and we already have her on lingerie and stuff on, on Vogue magazine. And I, I know she... Apparently, she came up with the concept and, and this kind of lingerie pin-up stuff. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I can f help to feel a little bit iffy about everything of related to the idea of female liberation, related to satisfying the male gaze. And it kind of feels like this is a little bit like the the... the kind of idea that oh show your body you're free to show your body um, um i don't know um at the same time i'm not saying she can only wear hoodies and stuff like she can uh -huh. do whatever she wants and, and i totally understand what she said in in the interview with the, the cover and stuff and i totally agree like do whatever you want you have to be free to do whatever you want and and you have to be happy with yourself in in the present and not think in the future or the past and if she wants to do this now she can do it but i don't know how free she is to do all these decisions i can maybe have the i feel like there's a lot of people behind her ideas she has a new album coming up and maybe that she was pressured into coming up with a new look something that would break the internet and get people interested in anticipating what's coming with this new era the new era of Billie Eilish now she she's not a, a kid anymore with huge clothing now she's a woman and I 
It reminded me of something that you were talking about uh, a few weeks ago when you were talking about the girl of uh, Catch Bad Me Outside, yeah. uh, where her she, she made how much in OnlyFans? Like a million dollars. A million dollars, like in a matter of minutes or, or in a day. Uh, and, you, and it was very interesting what you were saying. It's like how there's something so perverse about people waiting for this uh, person mm -hmm. to, to turn into legal age. Uh, to to expose herself uh, through her OnlyFans, obviously she's free to do it. She did it, but yeah, there's yeah. The, there's a there's perversion, a, yeah. And it's the same thing that when I see this cover, it's like I'm happy for her and she feels comfortable. Go, you go, mm -hmm. girl. You wear the lingerie. You go for mm -hmm. that Betty Page mm -hmm. pinup thing. It, it's fantastic. Madonna Vogue. Bah, it's it's so many moments of pop history. But I just can't help imagine all the mechanics. You know, when you go to the, fix your car and they've got their posters of naked girls on the on the wall and they're like. I don't know, you know, it's like feeding the lions, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, yeah. that they're going to be like, oh, saying all kinds of horrible things. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. OK, you know, you, well, fair, fair enough. Let them talk. Let them, you know, people are free to do what they want. But I don't know. <laughs> yes, I, I feel the same. I don't have a, an opinion yet. I want her to do whatever she wants. And if she wants to do that, I'm all for it. At the same time, mm, I, I'm not completely comfortable with the idea that I'm not sure if that was a thousand percent her idea or maybe people in her team well, really got it. Apparently she's been wearing a wig to cover the blonde hair mm -hmm. for, for some months now and, yeah. and it's been really itchy and hard, you know, having to wear a wig uh, when she's got all that hair underneath and, and just to cover up to protect the image so that, boom, she could come out with this new new image for, for her new album. But then you think, really, Billy, you know, it's it's... Anything she does, this album is going to be a success. Mm -hmm. It's going to have loads of streams. It's going to be. It's going to make impact. Uh, it's not like a third album syndrome or fourth where it's like, oh, okay, we didn't sell. Uh, you know, we sold 20 percent less than the other one. I don't know where you have to start resorting to these things. So much pressure. So much pressure. Yeah. I mean, really, uh, being a pop star is not easy. Yeah, and the fact that we're talking about it so much, like even I. Have, have been thinking about it for a few days it's like I shouldn't care this much I, I if someone else was to do something like this I wouldn't be thinking about it as much as I am but since she did like this kind of statement of wearing bigger clothes like now we're obsessed with her body just like when Adele for some reason lost lots of weight mm. now we were obsessed with her weight or Lizzo being just a, a, a woman comfortable in her weight now it seems like all these um Secondary, secondary stuff about this really talented artist seem to be like the prim primary topic about them and it shouldn't be like I, I wish this was just a little thing about them and it seems to be very important yeah. I don't know but uh, uh, what do you think of the new song Your Power let's hear, let's hear a little bit here in the background
See, I mean, I love the song. It, it, it sounds it, it sounds like Kings of Convenience almost. Uh, it's got a bit of a bossa nova oh kind of tempo. Oh my God, don't bring, drag them into it. <laughs> oh, I'm very happy because I see that they've announced that they're coming back after all these years and they've announced a tour with Primavera Tours. They're, they're going to be coming to Barcelona soon. I'll get the dates for that. Um, you didn't like Kings of Convenience, I gather. Well, now I know they're doing a Primavera tour, I'm all on board. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may have misinterpreted my, my earlier outburst, Johan. Um, I like this single a lot. Well done. It, I'm, I, I've become a Eilish fan uh, of her music. Of her music, I mm-hmm. didn't need the Vogue cover. Uh, Vogue cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just the last thing about the Vogue cover. It, you know, Vogue is now run. run Vogue UK is uh, the editor in chief is Edward Eninful, who I used to follow a lot when he was the um, fashion director for ID magazine. It was very influential because it was a very alternative way of seeing fashion, of seeing different kind of models and stuff. And I thought, mm, oh come on, Edward, you could have maybe i don't know no 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 i've, I've got no qualm with it i think the the, the clothes are tasteful the, the photography i don't know it's no 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 it's a, it's it's a smash it's a smash i don't know yeah i'm the, i'm like you i haven't made up i don't want to make up my mind why should i have an opinion on everything especially being i don't know some guy <laughs> no no i tell you what you got opinions on Stuff you watched while you were on paternity leave. There we nice. go. Nice. nice. nice Rob, cambiame la musica, por favor. Next song. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new section, Stuff I've Watched While on Paternity Leave. Once I had my diaper changing game on point and my baby bottle feeding technique polished, I allowed myself to do nothing else but sit back and guard the baby through the corner of my eye while I enjoyed all that fabulous entertainment available on streaming platforms. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We were saying just last week there's nothing There's nothing on streaming platforms. You are don't, wrong. Don't, don't, don't come Damn around it. with that. <laughs> we shouldn't have invited him back. Yeah, I was I was listening and he's like, you are so wrong. I was frothing at the mouth. It's like, you, I'm not watching the same stuff I'm watching. How can you say this? There's so much wonderful... TV is dead. It's dead. <laughs> Go back to the last episode. Yeah. That, that <laughs> TV is dead, but streaming platform is <laughs> very much alive. Because it's not really TV, is it? Streaming platform. You you know oh, you technically. Yeah, and you are watching on the television. Yeah, bullshit. Okay, but <laughs> but you know, TV as in TV station with the shows that they put on. Like if you watch normal uh, um, national broadcasts. Ugh, I mean, Spanish television right now, I don't even want to go into it, but they're, 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 they've been dragging this story of this celebrity couple, this Rocío mm-hmm. story, for... It's almost a phenomenon. I've never seen them drag out. It's like going back to, I don't know, remembering the O.J. Simpson case where it went on for months, and it's like, oh, God, okay, but that was a trial, a murder case. You know, I could understand that. But this is just... Anyway, no, no, sorry. I digress. I have been watching incredible top-notch quality stuff on streaming platforms. I realized my favorite new topic since becoming a father is dealing with midlife crisis. I'm still young, but only seven and a half years away from hitting 50. So I quite like seeing stories of people dealing with it so that I can have some sort of a head start. This week, I've had a Francis McDormand fest at my house. 
I watched Oscar-winning Nomadland, who afforded her her third statue for her role in this movie, where she plays a widow living in her van, following a route of nomads who travel across the country accepting temporary work in high seasons. The movie, based on the non-fiction book Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century, directed by Chloe Zhao, almost plays out like a documentary, with non-professional actors who have real experience living as nomads, telling their stories of surviving on the road, connecting with nature when it's at its most breathtaking, as well as when it's hot at its harshest, like in the winter. Like most of the great North American road movies, the landscapes are a third of the film. At one point, a character uh, compares the nomads as the last true American pioneers, eschewing a life of comfort in favor of a constant adventure. It is a movie with a lot of soul, and even though I couldn't help feel a bit of pity for the characters all throughout, because most of them have been forced into this situation by losing jobs at an age where it is harder to find decent jobs, you also feel a lot of hope and warmth watching how they build their own communities and share honest moments, having, and they have, I don't know, systems like bartering systems and stuff, you know, it goes back to a, a different time almost. It's a sharp criticism on capitalism, at one point, it criticizes the mortgage system, which leaves so many families in suffocating debt. And without too much detail, it exposes the flaws of giant corporations like mm, Amazon, where there is scarce social security or benefits for workers. Uh, just easy paychecks for temporary work in winter before the Christmas season. It's very subtle. Uh, there's not so much as a Christmas tree, but all of a sudden it's like, oh, right. Why do they always go to work in, in Amazon in the winter? Ah, it's because of all the people, you know, so many people buy so many gifts and through their service in those months that they need to hire extra work. So you realize that each year through the movie is organized by the, by the nomads by temporary work. In summer, they flock towards national parks to clean toilets and work in maintenance and stuff like that. It paints a picture of the world with its incredible scenery and the roles the human species can play in it. It says a lot about the importance of creating communities, helping each other rather than pursuing a happiness based on solitary ambitions. Have you seen it? No, and I was really um, hoping you didn't spoil anything important, and you did a good job. So I, I, I will see it eventually. But I've been doing as well, like a marathon of her movies, like um, Francis movies, and I love this woman. I, I, I want to be her when I grow up. I, I just admire her so much. She's an amazing actress. I, I always love her movies. I really trust when she chooses to be on a movie, that it's gonna be a good one because she, she's always amazing. I always and uh, it's amazing because it's so hard for female actors to continue working continually after a certain age. It's something that they've always um, alerted in. And, you know, you, there's only like a handful, right? Mm -hmm. There's your Meryl Streep, Annette Bening, um, now Sarah Paulson. She seemed Laura Dern, who it, it's like, wow, I'm so happy for Laura Dern because apart from her being one of my favorite actresses from her David Lynch movies and stuff, it's like everything goes. She, she gets first approval <laughs> on, on every script, every good script that comes out of Hollywood. And as you say Frances McDormand everything she puts her finger on excellent yep. and 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 she does it on her own terms um, but one thing that disturbed me a little bit of, about Nomadland is how it reminded me of the whole van life hashtag right and I thought this is your territory Mar mm -hmm. the whole van life <laughs> thing I mean if you go on Instagram and type van life in, in the hashtags you'll find a whole thing of young people decking out van interiors gorgeously and making it look really cool and desirable to live that way 
I myself would love to live an adventure of traveling through national parks in a van, making coffee and eating yogurt with muesli near a bear prowling in the bushes. <laughs> But there's a perverse side to this. I felt like the bar has been lowered so much for young people in which an Instagram trend is a conspiracy to make living in a van an appealing option for the future. Mm -hmm. I've even seen a video of a girl living in her car, one of these dodo videos, I don't know where, with a little like ukulele music, mm -hmm. like, oh, so now I take the backseat out and this is how I sleep and stuff. And she makes it seem like the biggest fun in the world, but it's like, hang on a minute, the, a young person is living in her car. You know, it, I, have, I, ha I still have a bit of a stigma with this thing. Like, that's like, a sign of like the next step is sleeping on a bench you know it's like Maslow's theory hey, wait a, I don't see the car up there only for driving around you know you know, trying to play Tetris with your body like trying to fit into a seat I'm too tall to live in a car damn it so no one is saying it has to be permanent I know many people who've had awesome experiences living in a van working in fields picking grapes in Australia for a season bathing with a hose in very cold water and falling asleep at sundown I'm all for that Henry D. Thoreau pursuit of oneself by facing the adversity of nature, being at one with it, and learning to skin a raccoon so you can have some protein for dinner. But when it, come, when it, when it becomes a Pinterest trend and brands start cashing in on the ideal, that's when I feel a bit queasy. Can I just say something? In the, in the interim in which you've been away, uh, we've launched a new show on RPS in Spanish, uh, uh, particularly about this, um, mm -hmm. which is called Flaneurs, which, is, which talks all about van life. And I think it's very much an, an antidote to this. Like they, they talk, um, it's really interesting. They talk about, you know, why they decided to take off and what it's like living in a van. It sounds pretty good to me. And they certainly don't like glamorize it or anything like that, you know, but I really like the way they describe the reality. And it's being—it's a hit. It's it's because yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's so interesting. They're talking about their day to day and how well, just like Nomadland. It, it, it's not like so much a story of a person, you know. It's almost like the little things, the importance of you know always having a spare tire, uh, how to economize space, um, how to. You also kind of generate less waste, I think, if uh, by living in a van because you you plan everything carefully, you make sure you recycle a lot. But to continue with my rant. I love warm water. I love electricity. I like sitting on a proper toilet. And I love my bidet hose. I love living above a convenience store where I can buy industrial pastries to satiate the munchies attack. I love neon lights. I love central heating. Yes, a warm fire to rub your hands against is way more romantic. And you can stare into a flame for hours, hypnotized by its dance. But have you actually tried to light a fire in the wilderness without getting an 800 euro fine? You can't light a fire anywhere these days. How do these Australian-looking surfers get away with these mini bonfires which gives them time to play three covers of a Jack Johnson songs on the ukulele without getting approached by the forest police. Sure, you can fill the van with plastic wrapped donuts, you can install a 10 litre tank of water to wash with warmish water, you can even sit on a proper toilet and stare at the orange tones of the sunset while you drop the bomb. Apparently, you can live just as comfortably in a van with custom built interiors as you would in a Manhattan penthouse. You just have to be very well organized and a bit stoic which I am neither, so that's why I'm a bit apprehensive. We had a very lovely holiday recently on a campsite. There you go. Holiday. Which one? Near Tarragona? Uh, yes, I've currently forgotten what it's called. I think, is it on the beach? Yes, I lovely. think I'm going there this summer. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm Get going a bungalow. Nomadland. Get a yeah. bungalow, really good. Yeah, I, I, I can remember what it's called, but I'm not giving them free... Free public... Yeah, I had, to, I had to pay a lot of money to stay in this bungalow and they ain't getting nothing in the way of free promotion, however nice it was. It's, it's like a bungalow that's kind of like a tent, isn't it? No? with, with it, it, it looks... It's a very efficient use of space. It's very good. It's like like we, you know, four people in it and it, it was lovely. Hot water, all these things that you want. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I say, the film has made me kind of look at camping with with nicer eyes. I I kind I kind of like it. Um, uh, as I say, the movie is uh, it's very good at pointing out the importance of being well prepared, and uh, but above all, there's Francis. Francis McDormand, Oscars or no Oscars, she can take these intense roles of women who've suffered, like in her previous uh, Oscar win, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And, but she always brings like a, a slight sense of humor that makes it all very enjoyable mm -hmm. to watch, even when there's a lot of drama no, behind. Um, and she's always struck me as this actor who's A-list, but doesn't play into the Hollywood game. And uh, play the next song, Rob, because that's going to bring me into the other Francis fest that I've had. <laughs> flowers are coming up wild They're coming up, they're coming up They're coming up wild The gorgeously voiced Martha Wainwright who actually stars in this series called Olive Kittredge uh, she, She's in it, she's in it, she plays a musician uh, but it is starred by Frances McDormand along with um, Richard Jenkins, right? Uh, this show escaped my radar. Ben, I think you read the book. I did. I read the book a few years ago, and it's absolutely lovely. A series of short stories, kind of that vaguely revolve around uh, the the main characters. Very sort of moving reflections on sort of life and and family and, and things like that. I thoroughly recommend it. Well, it's beautiful because it it kind of centres on a married couple dealing with frustrations and the bitterness of later age, a bit of midlife crisis, resentment, but all in all, they are a married couple who remain committed to each other through the thick and thin. Her character, once again, is thrilling to watch. She's, she plays a difficult, outspoken former math teacher who doesn't tread lightly. But this causes her to have a bit of a strained relationship with her son, who we see at different stages. There's, a, there's plenty of drama, but there's also kind of whimsical moments. And uh, what makes this show watchable, it's on HBO, uh, is the fictional seaside town in Maine where it's, uh, you know, where it's set. And, and a lot of the scenes take place in this wooden house where they live in with this quaint kitchen. It's got these lovely bottle green painted uh, walls. And I just realized, you know, I love stories where you, where, which are set in locations where you feel like living in. Um, I strongly recommend it. Uh, it's, it's only four episodes. That's another thing that I liked. It's a mini series. Uh, it's almost like a very long movie in a, in a sense or what? Well, It, it's, it's divided into four parts and the chronolo chronology and everything. It's, it's, it's very enjoyable to watch. And obviously the cast, the cast is amazing. It also includes uh, Peter Moulin, Scottish actor, brilliant. He's been in Ken, Ken Loach movies. He played uh, Mother Superior in Trainspotting. And it's got a, a very welcome appearance from Bill Murray, uh, which is always nice to see on screen. Uh, coincidentally, Francis McDormand acted with Bill Murray in... Moonrise Kingdom and with Richard Jenkins in Burn After Reading because she was she's an executive producer so she ropes in her friends and stuff and I also like that you know when you see series and it's the friends getting together and apparently she's married to Cohen yeah I didn't uh, know Ethan. that's why she is on many of the Cohen brothers films she gets angry at him when he doesn't cast her in some of them <laughs> she was furious for not being cast in uh, I'm not sure if it was Miller's Crossing or I don't know there was a Ah, I can't remember. Uh, there was a role that went to Marsha Gay Harden, another amazing actress. And, uh, and she talked about this in an interview for Vogue, curiously. It's all related. Vogue magazine, uh, Billie Eilish, uh, ah, Frances McDormand. You see, Frances McDormand on the cover of her, her Vogue cover, she wore a baggy suit. Um, 
I'm just sort of stating oh, what I see. <laughs> Nothing. Um, but she talked about this, about how they've had to deal with that. It's like, and he's like, look, Francis, you're not going to get every role of every <laughs> script that I write, you know, <laughs> nepotism. <laughs> and speaking of nepotism, in Nomadland, the, the, one, of the, uh, one of the male uh, parts goes to David, uh, the actor David Strathern and his son, the guy who plays his son is his son in real life, who plays a musician. He's a musician in, in real life. And he was married to Meryl Streep's daughter. Oh my god. Uh, I don't know, Salsa Rosa, but they apparently yeah. they've recently got divorced. But it's like, oh, you know, how cool being the children of all these great actors. And uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like nepotism. Anyway, um, sorry, just, uh, this section is going on too long. Well, what I realized is that both these Nomadland and Olive Kittredge have something to do with the other film that I enjoyed watching this um the uh, during this paternity leave and it's the gloria bell music maestro i adored this film it's a hollywood remake of a chilean film called gloria It's on Netflix. You can find it as Gloria Bell. It stars Julianne Moore playing a middle-aged divorcee who goes out dancing to fill the void. So all these three films are about people in their middle age, right? Or mi later middle age. Uh, I feel bad that I jumped the Chilean original, but in all fairness, it's directed and written by the same person, Sebastian Lelio. And judging from the trailer of the original, he remade it frame by frame. So I will get to watch the original as soon as I can, for the, especially for the performance of the main leading actress, Chilean actress Paulina Garcia who looks like a blast uh, and also to see the story unfold in Santiago de Chile which I have very little references of but in this remake it stars Julianne divorced mother of two who lives alone in her flat with a loud neighbor and who tries to find happiness in small doses by going out dancing to clubs oriented for adult adults <laughs> it's a scene which we may be enjoying in a not too distant future Ben speak for yourself I saw that was coming and I am absolutely Right, what am I going to be divorced in the future? No, not divorced. No, 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 no. But I mean, we it might we might start to feel a bit out of place in in a, in an Apollo or well, maybe not. I mean, I've heard of stories of. I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. I mean, not yet. We we can still cut it. You know, you can especially when the lights are dark and these like technical <laughs> really, really, really dark. But I could. But you know, but maybe not not in ten years time. But maybe in twenty years time, we might still enjoy. And plus. You know, somewhere we'll be playing the French touch music that we enjoy and the, the kind of deep house that we like grooving to. Whereas maybe the younger discotheques, the discotheques of younger people might play God knows what, but we might not connect with it. Uh, so long as we can go to the edge of the dance floor and sort of tut disapprovingly and go, oh, God, it was so much better in my time. Don't they realise this is just a remake of a tune from 1998 and like, we can grab the passing young people and tell them about how this is not as good as it used to be. I reckon yeah, that's what young people like, isn't it? I old people telling what to think. I, I do not want to become that guy. That, I that, so that, do. Like, stroking my tin like, ah, you know, this is, a, this is a sample of a song that was released by Thomas Bangalter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? my, this sounds totally fun. But it's gorgeous because in the movie you see her dancing to the movie... The music of her youth right and like songs like this classic Gloria and there is nothing better to do than see Julianne Moore dancing on her own losing herself into the music it's it's beautiful um, I remember there used to be a, I used to work at a discotheque a club in Madrid Chango oh, 
what a great club. And uh, the the space was used for an elder session from six in the afternoon till to, uh, till eleven at night. There were loads of these in Madrid, and they were always full. And sometimes you'd go in early to I don't know pick up flyers for whatever, and and you'd see all these like <laughs> yeah elder people with their cardigans. You know, in Spain they danced to more like yeah yeah and yeah, and seventies disco. And I don't know. I thought it was a very endearing scene here in Barcelona in La Paloma. They had a, an elder session, and it would yeah, and 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 they wouldn't even like put the turn the music off and let the people usher out to let the young people in. It would just sort of transition naturally. So all of a sudden there was a moment when you know younger people were coming in, and you had like people in in very advanced ages you know like wow that's hard to dj how do you do that <laughs> no, i can't remember how what the, i think they were playing kind of sort of bebop jazz and stuff that was you know that was that what that wouldn't set off any of the crowds i don't know but it yeah yeah i remember it, it was like oh i don't know la paloma when will they reopen but, well they <laughs> they say uh, apparently um and this is taking really quite a lot older that, that apparently music is one of the the things that remains if you have dementia apparently mm. yeah yes. it's like one of the the uh, best ways to make connection with someone with dementia is to play music from their youth mm. because it kind of activates something in the brain yeah yeah I've seen the video of a, of a person sort of rem- a person with oh the ballet the, dancer one do you mean the, yeah oh, it was the ballet man. dancer and she started like dancing her, her moves she remembered and she had Alzheimer's oh I'm, I'm, I'm gonna cry <laughs> anyway let's move over into some fashion Without any intro music, because Rob is distracted by the boss. Happy birthday, Marta Salicru. <laughs> <laughs> Mar, tell us about it. Um, okay, um, so this Monday was May 1st. Not May 1st, sorry. This Monday was the first Monday of May, which means the Met Gala should have happened. But it didn't, um, because we have a pandemic going on, <laughs> if you didn't notice. But it will eventually happen this year. It won't be like last year that we didn't have any Met Gala. Um, it will be celebrated, and it will be on September 13th. Ooh. And do you know who will host the event? Who? Miss Billie Eilish. <gasps> Everything's connected. Ah. <laughs> Billie Eilish, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, of course. Of course. Amanda Gorman, who was the poet that gave the, the poem initial speech for, uh, for Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. And Naomi Osaka, who is this young tennis player. So lots of Oh, young the one people. who lost out to Selena. No, who beat who, Selena. Yeah, exactly. God damn, that's a lineup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Because it's been two years since we had a, a Met Gala, so I guess they're preparing for I don't know attracting young audiences because all these people are yeah, very young very young and the theme and I cannot wait to see what they come up with is American fashion and I really don't Ooh. know what they will make out of this maybe there will be some cultural appropriation or maybe there will be people <sighs> in Hollister and ever crumby polos with loafers and that will be American fashion I don't know well it'll be the, a normcore fest because America uh, yeah. is the, the well, sort of Surely an American fashion event whose theme is American fashion means you just wear whatever you want, want surely. Yeah, Because, like, you're at an American fashion event, so anything you wear is American fashion, right? Yeah, no? I don't know. I can wait. I, I really feel like now celebrities are listening more to, to the, the theme of the gala, and, and I, I can't wait to see what they come up with on, on September. And... Um, since we have to wait until September, there was a Met Gala that we can talk about that did happen. Mm, and you may be thinking, no, it didn't. You just said it didn't happen. But there's a Met Gala that happens on Twitter 
every year from, well, it's just the second edition, but there's high fashion Twitter Met Gala celebrated, uh, was celebrated this, this Monday. Um, you might be thinking, what the hell? What is the high, <laughs> high, fashion? Fashion, high fashion Twitter? It's basically, if you don't have Twitter or if you do, you know there's... Um, this like kind of communities and uh, and that begin and and are born in 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 Twitter. It's not like everyone talking about everything. If you have an interest, you might find some people that talk about the same thing as you do. And and there's obviously a, a part that is really interested in high fashion, and they have all in common this love for designer runways, um, c new creative directors coming up in the industry, the industry in general. And it doesn't mean these are like rich people who own lots of designer stuff and like to talk about it. It's it's basically people my age or, or younger students, basically, mm -hmm. um, who might not even own anything designer because we're students, we are poor, we don't have <laughs> the, the money to buy all this stuff. But they have this huge interest in high fashion. Like you go, if you follow a couple of these accounts you see that the knowledge there's behind this like they really know lots of stuff about the industry so um apparently last year um one of the users um who is a 20 year old girl Ar aria from the united states yeah. came up with the idea like oh what if we did um, like a kind of Met Gala among us, the high fashion Twitter <laughs> squad? And and some of her friends um, thought it was a good idea and, and they started planning. And the thing they came up with, it, it's obviously like an event that happens online and, and the looks are posted under a hashtag. Like last year it was hash HFM, like high fashion um, med right. uh, HF, high fashion Met Gala 2020 or, or 2021 in this year. So that's uh -huh. the hashtag. And since I said many of them are like very young people who don't have the the means to to buy designer or yeah. brand stuff, that you can submit your your look um, by making a mood board or crea creating concepts or just sketching it or you you can do lots of stuff to come up with your look. It doesn't mean you you have to you can create it. There's people that know how to sew, sew so. and everything but so you can there's different ways you can it's really easy to participate well easy if, if you really know about fashion and, ha and have the interest so but it's not like something that's very elitist and just a few people can participate it's for it's for everybody and and it that actually was perfect timing the concept mm -hmm. and the idea of having a high fashion Met Gala Twitter event because the actual Met Gala didn't happen last year because COVID mm -hmm. happened mm -hmm. and they already had the idea of celebrating uh, this event online because it's on Twitter, and so they were fully prepared when to to host it. And and last year, the only Met Gala we had was the 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 one on Twitter. So they got all this attention. They got more than a thousand submissions when it was just uh, ten girls that prepared it, like yeah. from twenty to twenty two years old, like and from very different countries, right? Yeah, it, it's very international. It, it's literally for everyone. It's a very interesting event, uh, and and it's it's really nice to see people coming together with a common love for yeah. something. And they got even articles on on Vogue and the and New, New York, York Times. Times. Yeah, yeah. It 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 really became a huge thing. Now their Twitter has like the the proper like mark that it has like an official Twitter. And and they this year, for example, they got even more attention because last year they got all these articles. People were really expecting what uh, would this year be a, the the Met high fashion 
Twitter Met Gala would be about. And they had to come up with a concept themselves because um, it was very, until very recently we didn't know what the actual Met Gala would be. So they had to come up with a theme. And they come up with a theme that I really thought it was super interesting and, and very intelligent. And it, um, they called it Faces in the Mirror Fashion and the Horror of Identity and describe it as inspired by evolving self and strange reflections in the mirror. Mm. It examines fashion's relationship with horror through the lens of identity, both self and social. And I, these these are s such a creative idea. It's even more creative than the American fashion theme, which I, I, I also love. But it's just a couple of girls interested in fashion and they come up with these amazing concepts. And if you go under the hashtag um, HFMedGala2021, you will be blown away with the looks um, people came up with this. So, um, haute couture, um, yeah. it's, it's so creative. It blows my mind. It, most of them are so much better than looks I have seen on, on the actual runway, well, runway red carpet of the Met Gala. Like, these are editorial. These are very well th thought out. They have a concept behind it. And it's amazing. I, I, I just love this idea. And they even have the the um, raising funds part that Med Gala has as well, that the actual Med Gala has. And they partnered um, with International Medical Corps and put out an ebook that talks about um, this the, the concept they came up with. And it has essays on, on the theme. It has uh, other related runway collections, analysis and all this stuff. It's just, um, I love the internet. I love it too. It reminds me of the spirit of Molly, Molly Ringwald in Pretty in Pink, the John Hughes movie, where, you know, she's a girl with no money and stuff, but she makes her own incredible dresses and stuff, and she's an absolute icon. And I guess that's the spirit of it, her in HF Met Gala 2020. Follow it on Twitter. Uh, that's all we have time for. It's great to be back, guys it's and girls. Great girl. to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, today is the 5th of May so we would like to dedicate this song to one of the most the best one of the best dressed people in our team Marta Salicru happy birthday Let's dance.